Hello everyone, and thank you again for joining us for another podcast. Today I wanted to share something, I know we're working on the uh, Noble Eightfold Path, but I wanted to insert uh, something that I particularly understood and, and wanted to share with everyone. Because again, having different perspectives about our practice, and perhaps this may be the perspective or explanation or example that may inspire you, or of course change your practice. So I'm always hoping that that's the case. So today I wanted to talk about the idea of giving it up to the mountain. Now some of you may be aware that um, at our temple we have the Hoke Shugen, which is uh, Shugendo, which is actually austere practice, based on the idea of the Lotus Sutra. And that means specifically a lot of it is involved with uh, communing and understanding through nature. And that of course is uh, something that was uh, expressed in, in Japan uh, since the founding of Buddhism and uh, also uh, since Buddhism came to Japan. And also, you know, of course, in, in any culture it is found this idea of communi- communing with nature but also with the local deities. Uh, it's really important because, again, the idea of this complexity, this pantheon, uh, this interconnection of all things is, is really an important point uh, that we as Buddhists inculcate in our body. So there, there are many ways that we can do that. Um, a lot of times people focus, of course, on the intellectual of understanding a concept, but I'm always looking for ways to, of course, uh, implement that in practice and for us to have meaningful experiential understanding, which I think is the way that we can change our psyche and, and of course, change how we react to um, activating events or things that happen to us. And in this idea of give it up to the mountain. So the mountain is symbolized. Now, the physical mountains that we have here in Washington are very beautiful. But we, of course, have spiritual mountains and that that we use for practice. Here we go uh, in an autumn uh, annual practice that we do um, that is based on the idea of going through the ten worlds with our physical body. And in the mountain, of course, you're using your physical body and your mind. But also the atmosphere is a natural, pure atmosphere. So a lot of times your experience may be extremely difficult. Uh, I mean, different, not difficult, different and difficult uh, than if you were to practice, for instance, in a meditation center or in a temple in the middle of a city. Um, what what we can connect to, how we are influenced both externally and internally, are important. So a lot of times, uh, we if we understand, and, and modern people, uh, for instance, I believe a lot of them are disconnected with nature. So therefore, nature, again, from, as I stated in the last podcast concerning the idea of right livelihood and the Noble Eightfold Path, we need to always challenge our own concepts. Because a lot of those concepts are born from our own past, uh, our own culture, and our own uh, civilization that we live in. But it doesn't necessarily mean it's Buddhist culture. And that we should identify ourselves as Buddhists uh, and, and understand Buddhism is our culture. It's not Japanese culture. It's Buddhist culture. So even if you go to Japan, it doesn't mean that everyone is a, that's Japanese is a Buddhist. If you are a Buddhist, Buddhism is your culture. And it's important to understand and see from that perspective because, again, a lot of the influences that we have are based on other religions, especially Judeo-Christian religions. A lot of the pagan and animistic religions of the West are pretty much gone. I mean, there are practitioners of them, but, uh, again, 
they're not necessarily what has influenced our civilization uh, specifically. So a lot of that has been lost. So when we look back, and I say animism, the idea of looking that all things have a spirit in them, such as trees and mountains, etc. So they're all seen as living things and places and spiritual places in which we can go to, of course, purify ourselves, purify our senses, uh, remove uh, stains that we have. They call kegare or negative energy. Um, and I... I want people to understand that we talk about the physical mountain, but we, we need to understand as Buddhists in a more deeper meaning uh, that when we go into the mountain, even though it's a regular mountain and sometimes even on the path, there are people that are treating it as a, a nice walk during the day. But it's really fascinating that actually on the mountain itself, um, you, <laughs> you're engaging in a much deeper practice than simply walking briskly through the woods for the idea perhaps of exercise or taking care of your body, etc. Or even relaxation. Buddhism, those are byproducts of that, but actually the idea of Buddhism, we have a deeper meaning, a more profound meaning. So sometimes it can be quite more difficult uh, and, and the experience would be quite different if we do it within that spiritual context. And of course, as a Buddhist, that's how we're supposed to live our life is through that spiritual context. So everything that we're doing is not superficial or just uh, just for some superficial purpose uh, but everything is part of the way part of the path and when when there's a saying that uh, that has been said um, that actually luckily now I've actually met the person who said it in in the special he was a um, person who did a documentary on Shugendo or mountain training in Japan and one of the great things that he said was at the end after everything had been done you know you can take you know in modern society we have lots of ideas lots of beliefs that we hold in our everyday life right in your little uh social bubble so to speak but when you go on the mountain they really do you no good so um in the mountain is a is a lot of times more paired away more simplified uh in the idea of simply living or continuing or not giving up and that all these social constraints and ideas that we have and all the things that we do in our mind won't particularly do us any good. And sometimes we'll actually be um, an impediment to being in the mountain. So if we especially lots of self-talk, lots of self-doubt, uh, that will definitely come out, especially if you have physical or, or mental pain or any other kind of challenge. Uh, so again, that that is a place where we can uh, you know, uh, allow us to go deeper into our mind, into our practice. But what I wanted to relate it to today is that when we talk about the physical mountain, people can become attached to that as well uh, once they understand the beauty or have a wonderful experience, etc. But we as Nichiren Buddhists need to relate it to something that we have in our home. So technically, it's nice to have the physical practice because, again, something in theory and not actually physically, experientially understood, is not worth much uh, because it's based on an idea rather than an experience. And, and you understand that when you have the experience, your idea may have to change or adjust as well as with your concepts, etc. and beliefs. Um, so when we chant every day in our house, it's important to understand that the mountain is before us because when we look at the Gohonzon, the old mandala, that Nichiren Shonen inscribed for us. There is the mountain of Mount Sacred Eagle, 
where the Buddha expounded in the Lotus Sutra to all the beings throughout the universe and where the Bodhisattvas from underground emerged. And then we can see within that, uh, in that, within the mandala, the ten realms in which we need to work through and understand each day. And this is the concept of Ichina and Sanzen. So I just wanted to give everyone a kind of hint or idea that when you look at the Gohonzon, and then this is one, why, one reason why I take people to the mountain. Uh, you may not be able to go to India, of course. Hopefully someday you can go to the actual physical place of Mount Sacred Eagle in India uh, to feel. But actually that mountain is everywhere in our heart. But again, as we're challenging specifically, perhaps preconceived ideas, preconceived thoughts, uh, we, we need to, of course, adapt a different teaching, a different philosophy. And I, I was talking about uh, recently concerning the early um, beginnings of uh, different types of therapy, um, especially we, there was a famous doctor named Dr. Ellis. And, um, you know, they, they talk about rational, uh, e emotional therapy, right? Uh, and and the idea of the idea of also cognitive behavioral therapy, so that's a precursor. Uh, they call it emotive, rational emotive behavior, but it means emotional behavior. And the idea that simply when when you look at your life, and, and a lot of times if you just work within your mind, when something happens, so it's an ABC pattern, just a quick overview, an activating event. So that means anything that happens in your life, there's always a consequence of that in your way that you think the way that you emotionally respond. And this is a really important concept for us to even look within psychology of how we can change our mind. And we have to even be careful as Buddhists to see what kind of psychology or therapy is based on Buddhist uh, teaching. And one of my teachers did a lot of research and he found that the third generation of uh, cognitive behavioral therapy made by um, uh, John Kabat-Zinn, I believe is his name, uh, doctor, uh, he uh, influenced this idea of mindfulness, right? And the idea is that by profoundly changing your philosophy, your belief, and that when we say profoundly, that doesn't mean just like saying I'm a Buddhist. It means profoundly challenging everything that you had. For instance, one of the big things that they keep coming back to is the idea of Judeo-Christian concepts, which are, of course, if, if you look at it in the state of Ichin and Sanza and the Ten Realms, these are heavenly principles, heavenly realms, so therefore it's very difficult for humans to, to understand it. And sometimes it's not applicable within the human realm. Sometimes it, it's, not, uh, it, it's not of the same world. So therefore it can seem almost queer or strange in a way, unusual, that when we look at it, it doesn't necessarily fit in uh, to that. So we as, uh, as Buddhist practitioners need to be aware of our mindset, right, of our mentality that we are establishing. And that's why we, Nietzsche and Shonen talks about study and practice in the idea of that we base our practice, our, our lives on study and practice, that we're not just simply, you know, falling back on the information that we were given from our parents or given from our society or from the religions that are, or beliefs that influence our society. So we as Buddhists need to reevaluate that. And by reevaluating that, you can have a profound change in your life. So Buddhism can profoundly change you 
But it doesn't mean just by accepting the Buddhism will profoundly change you. You have to balance it, of course, as Nietzsche and Shonen said, without study and practice, there is no Buddhism. Okay? So therefore, we have to have that experiential practice. And, and that's why I encourage everyone to actually physically come into the mountain, because in the mountain, everyone is equal. Everyone, you can see the interdependence. Everyone relies on each other. Because actually, we may think we're strong individually, but actually we can't live with other people. And all of these really basic concepts, which are based, of course, in rational you know, reality, as opposed to irrational ideas that we may possess, such as the idea of ego, and that we may live our lives according to that, which is, of course, as the Buddha is saying, causing suffering. We can see firsthand in reality, in real time, how things work. But when we're sitting in front of the, the, the mandala, I really inspire all of you to, to feel and actualize that idea of going into the mountain and being there in the ceremony in the air, that the Buddha is physically there. And that when we, as we enter into the mountain, we realize that this is a place of Buddhist practice, a pure land, okay? And that with all of the states of mind that we're in, we are in the pure land. We are walking towards the pure land. And of course, as we know in the concept of 3,000 existences contained in a single thought, Ichina and Sanzen, that within all the states of mind, the Buddha resides. So therefore, no matter what state you're in, uh, when you're chanting in front of the mandala, we are able to purify our lives and make a profound change in our mentality so that we can be able to, through uh, our behavior, through our ideas, through our thoughts, through our beliefs, which are actually extremely core, not just whims, but beliefs, uh, that we understand that they're in accordance with the Dharma. And therefore, Chantai says, you are no longer ill, but you become healthy and upright. All of us are practicing because we wish to relieve ourselves and others of suffering. So therefore, I really appreciate everyone. I hope this has been useful. Um, of course, I'm, I'm just giving some taste of this idea. I hope you actually come and practice. Uh, and again, if you have any physical or other challenges, those are things that we can work through. So it doesn't mean physically going up a, an arduous mountain that perhaps you may die. That That's not the practice of Buddhism. Practice of Buddhism is when we understand on all levels, all aspects of our life, what faith, practice, and study mean in reality, in real time. So I hope that that's what all of these talks and all of these supports our uh, uh, lessons are helping you to gain some insight. Because again, as a practitioner of Buddhism, um, I'm always, every day, constantly blown away by how deep and important the practice of Buddhism is and how profoundly it changes our lives, changes others. And, and that sometimes, that, that not sometimes, it frees us from being stuck in old, outdated systems, old uh, or uh, outdated or irrational ideas of how we change things. Because it's very easy these days to get wrapped up in society, politics, etc., money, jobs, everything. Uh, it's so easy to get uh, you know, sucked into that and, of course, lose one's mind, lose one's serenity, which is essential, of course. Happy, the, how, do you, how do you say Serenity, health, etc. are essentials uh, for practicing Buddhism and having a meaningful and productive life. Uh, so therefore, I thank everyone for taking the time to listen to this uh, podcast, and I hope all of you 
uh, continue in your practice and study. Namu myoho renge kyo.